When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. So your 2023 fantasy football season didn't end quite how you were hoping. Or you crushed it. You dominated. You won a best ball tournament. You finished high in a best ball tournament. You're feeling excited. You don't want it to end. You want to keep going. When's the next time we can draft? Well, may have just started into 2024. But fantasy football and best ball season never stops. Already, our first takes, our gut takes, first call, whatever you want. Rob Coakley, myself, Eric Bifor. We're going to dive into how we're thinking about 2024 for best ball and for fantasy football purposes. Some of the edges that we're thinking about when the tournaments come calling quickly on underdog DraftKings, FFPC's already out there. We're going to get you all set with some, some early takes, some first takes into 2024 fantasy football land. Let's do it. All right, Rob, you said you had something you're saving for the show. Is that is that an intro thing you are saving for the show? For anybody that wants to know, Rob was um, ASMR, the, abs- the absolute shit out of me, eating cookies into his <laughs> microphone as he was about to tell a story. And then he goes, no, let's just save it. Let's just save it for the show. <laughs> into the microphone. So I was just curious, is, it a, is, is this just, a, oh, we'll, we'll get to it? Or this is a, hey, let me, I, let me get on my soapbox before we dive in. No, this actually correlates because what I was going to bring up is it was not cookies that I was eating because I I basically took a shower and jumped on the show in between working, so I had no time to eat dinner. And that was okay because I have learned that, as you know, I had a birthday last week, and I am just as old as possible dirt, like as there is right now. And once you hit a certain age... And I think I hit it last week because since I had my birthday last Tuesday, I have had cheese and (laughs) crackers for dinner three times. And I think there was a point in my life where I was like, who the hell is eating cheese and crackers just for dinner? Like that is that is an elderly person dinner. That is all the olds do is eat cheese and crackers. I've spiced it up a little bit with original pepperoni here <laughs> to eat as well. I have like a little snack container situation going on. And yeah, I just, I'm eating cheese and crackers and it's a delight. And I'm just so excited about it. And that's how I know I'm an old. So don't draft me next year. Yeah. Don't draft Rob. Um, 
There's a lot to process there. Wow. Uh, first, <laughs> uh, cheese and crackers are mega underrated. Uh, yeah. We're just going to get that out of the way. We don't need to go on another food tangent. Um, <laughs> yes, we we shout, out, shout out Melch- <laughs> adult Lunchables. Whoever said that there's an age that you're not allowed to eat Lunchables, <laughs> they can fuck right off because I don't know who dislikes crackers and cheese. Like, how can you dislike crackers and cheese? Cheese is incredible. Uh, you know, it does make me feel sometimes how much I enjoy cheese. Like anybody that's watched Always Sunny in Philadelphia, where they make fun of Charlie for how much cheese he eats, you know, like they're setting him up on a date and they're like, have you been eating cheese today? You know? And he's like, well, yeah, yeah. You know, cause he eats cheese all the time. And they're like, how much have you eaten? He's like, 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 like a block, like a block of cheese or whatever, you know? And like, that's what I feel like when you were saying that you're like, what'd you have for dinner? Well, a block of cheese. You know, I went down to the grocery store and came back with this brick of, of cheese. And that's what I had. But, um, it is straight. Uh, I, I always find myself at like family holidays or, you know, group get togethers or whatever. Everybody's got the, the smorgasbord, smorgasbord of finger foods and all that kind of stuff. Like I never want to eat the actual food because it's like, dude, I just had like 17, things of crackers and cheese like i just ate a whole sleeve of crackers with cheese like you said yeah the pepperoni uh taco chan is in here you get the salami going right whatever your preference is where i'm i'm you know i'm from the midwest people hunt and stuff around here they deer sausage is a is a not not so much anymore because i don't i don't hunt it's not my thing and none nobody in my family does but like where i grew up there's some you know people that did it like all that kind of stuff absolutely amazing so don't i mean it's definitely, yeah, an old person type of thing to do when you and I were not doing that when we were 21 years no. old or whatever, eating crackers and cheese. Not for but dinner. Not for dinner. <laughs> yeah. It'd be like, it's lying around the house. I'm like, okay, yeah, give, give me some of that. But um, anyway, uh, I, I find it funny. You know, you talk about feeling old. I have both. So I'll start like this. We'll get to the, the fantasy football stuff. I, I promise you. Um, but there's a little bit of, of segue, but so we're in this, this dead time of fantasy football and obviously what you and I, you know, do, um, for work slash this, this job with spike week, it's not a dead time. Actually, I feel like I'm doing more now, even maybe than I did during the season, I think, because in season is kind of more monotonous. It's like you're checking boxes every single week. It's like, all right, it's week seven, got to do this. Right. As opposed to right now, I'm doing some more things that it's like uh, critical thinking or fun projects, fun articles, whatever that I want to do. But it's a little bit of a dead time in the football cycle, right? Only a couple of playoff games, certainly in the fantasy football cycle. There's not really like you've drafted your playoff baseball teams. Like, well, eh, you know, what are, what are we supposed to do? So anyway, it's, it's also the time in January where people are like, I'm going to, you know, do something from a new year's resolution or, you know, it's a new year for whatever reason, that psychological impact. And it works on me too. I am that dude. I am that basic bitch that is, you know, January comes and I'll convince myself, you know, that this is the time to start fresh, but dating all the way back to like COVID, I think is really what started it. I definitely was drinking too much, not like to excess, like I wasn't like getting shit faced all the time, but I just like, dude, you're talking about like, I, I had to read atomic habits again because I'm like, I got to shake this thing. Like six o'clock comes and I'm like, I got to pour a drink or whatever. So we're doing dry. My, both my wife and I were doing dry January and I've never simultaneously f- started to feel younger and better about myself again, like from a few weeks of not having any alcohol, but also it's, it's been so miserably cold and I am getting old <laughs> that like I work out and like, 
I can't get out of bed the next morning. You know, like, like, oh, you worked out something that you're not used to working out. It's like, I'm supposed to be feeling better because I'm doing these things in January to feel better. But the, the, you know, real life aspect of me is still kicking my ass. Like I got something going on with my back that's all messed up. And like you said, uh, you mentioned, you know, feeling old, eating cheese and crackers. Uh, I, I'm, I have this weird situation in January where I am, like I'm feeling motivated. I'm feeling good during the day and all that. And then like I work out and every morning is like, a fucking chore to just like get my life going, you know, but once I get going the lack, the fact that I didn't have three whiskeys the night before or whatever, like I'm feeling much better about myself working out, whatever, but it's negative 10 outside. There's ice, you know, all this, all this shit. And then I'm, I'm still trying to get in better shape. It's like this, this push pull of getting to the age that we're at now. Should we start a podcast called how old do you feel today? <laughs> and then we just go on and we just talk about the old things we did for the day. Like I ate cheese and crackers. I thought about working out and now I can't move. <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. I was laying down watching Netflix and I was like, I should probably get up and work out. And then my back started to tighten up, you know, so I was out of commission for three days or what. <laughs> That's pretty much how it is. But um, all that isn't necessarily re relatable to this, but I, I find this time I'm excited to actually <laughs> sounds crazy. We're barely into 2024, but I am excited to start talking about 2024 because similar to <laughs> us feeling old or tackling some new things or, or right. Taking January to kind of reset, which is kind of like what I'm, what I'm doing. I feel like it's such a fun time to be like 2023 still very fresh on our minds, but also you forget about a lot of things that happened during 2023. You definitely forget about things that happened, you know, in the summer when we were drafting, you already start looking ahead to 2024, which, like I said, I'm, I'm getting very, very pumped for 2024. But it's a good time to be like, all right, what did we learn that we really want to make sure that we retain? Right. Because in three weeks, when the big board drafts, we're, gonna, we're just going to be ripping drafts again, you know, and from then forward on into sep next September or this September, it's going to be crazy. What do, what are the takeaways that we want to make sure that we're, we're pulling with us, right? The lessons that we're learning. That's really what I'm trying to identify right now. What I'm trying to like write almost every day about is like these different things that I, it's like, I'm writing it for spike week, but I'm kind of doing it because like selfishly, I want to make sure that I remember it when you write it out to the world, you remember it more, but also like, it's not just things that we learned. It's things like, okay, I saw this or I'm feeling this about 2024, right? Like this player, this situation, this strategy, this, whatever, these things for 2024, I've been thinking a lot about that too. Um, so I'm curious about like, you know, we are going to talk a lot from now until uh, the 2024 NFL season, but what are some of the, or what is a thing that you've really, that's just been like, you know, stuck with you, right? We all have that after the season's over. You're like, I wish I had done this more, or I make sure I remember this, or I'm really excited for this in 2024. I'm really going through that with some of the playoff best ball tournaments right now, just because they're so fresh in my mind and I'm watching teams advance. And I've been reading a lot of content on best ball uh, on, on the playoff best ball stuff, listening to a lot. And I think it's so, it's so easy. Let's, let's tie this all together. I think it's so easy to get take locked in best ball takes, whether it's a player take or a, draft strategy take or anything like that, that you don't zoom out enough, right? Because what I've been listening to and reading to and reading is about people's best ball philosophies. And if you just did this this year, you'd be very happy about the teams that you have still alive in 
the gauntlet or the DraftKings tournament or whatever. And it's like, okay, but the NFL playoffs, the NFL best ball playoffs and for all best ball tournaments, it's so different than DFS where DFS you get to retry every week, right? Like your data just is just compiling week after week after week after week. And we are getting less than we're getting way less data than like we would for a DFS tournament. Right. So a DFS season is about 20 weeks. We'll say give or take, you know, week 18 is different. Some of the playoff weeks are a little bit different, but you're getting to readjust throughout all those and you're getting to learn for that one season, but then it all gets reset. So even week one next year, yes, Justin Jefferson is still one of the best wide receivers, but Justin Jefferson's price is going to be different on week one than it was, you know, the week, the year before it might only be a couple, a couple hundred dollars could be a thousand dollars, right? There's, there's just so, these nuances. And I bring that up to the data that we have on best ball in order to get that type of information, a it's impossible. And B, if you were trying to compile it, you're talking 18 to 20 years, right? So you start thinking about these playoff best ball tournaments and you're like, well, if you had just done this, this, and this, this year, you'd be much happier. It's like, yeah, but what about the years that the Dallas Cowboys actually do make it to the next round? What about the years that Green Bay actually does upset the San Francisco 49ers? Which was very close to happening. Right? So imagine those those teams you got that seven seed through not even to the super bowl but your your draft strategy was to draft ravens and then grab green bay packers late and guess what that's going to play out at some point i'm not saying that the seven seed per se is going to beat the one seed i'm sure it will happen in our lifetime right that seven seed will get hot and it will make a run Mm -hmm. but let's just the one seed in there's going to be a year coming up that neither of the one seeds make the Super Bowl. And it's going to be shocking and everything like that. So when you're drafting these best ball teams, anyways, that's my that's been my thought. I know I'm kind of like scatterbrained all over the place, but my thought is we need to really stay open-minded about how we're drafting teams and what we're looking at and not getting take locked on, on certain results, right? Yes. And that's what I think is happening really hard right now in playoff best ball more so than regular best ball but i do think that people are trying to dive into data that doesn't always matter because a lot of the data from the year before is not a carryover and we're auto we're automatically already adjusting to things as it is we're going to see it again this year. We saw it last year with the quarterbacks rise up, right? Like that was one thing we talked about all off season. We talked about it the year going into it. Mm-hmm. It was two years before we were like, we know these quarterbacks are going to rise up. Well, they're going to start following again. But we saw, not only do we see quarterbacks rise up, we saw what we used to call the running back dead zone become non-existent for the <laughs> most part last year. That changed dramatically. People got sharper in the way that they drafted and that caused new pockets of, of being able to draft teams differently. And people weren't adjusting to it. People were still looking at running back dead zones. People were still trying to push quarterbacks too much in certain, in certain aspects. And I think that when you're learning these different like situations that arise for every year, 
you need to not look at it from the lens of 2023 or 2022. You need to wipe the slate clean. Not saying that you should lose all your information, but like in terms of drafting, be like things that you remember, like, well, the court, the running back dead zone was always rounds three to eight. So I'm going to make sure I'm not drafting running backs from rounds three to eight. That changed dramatically. Running backs dropped. It was fine to drop running backs and draft running backs around four or five or six or seven. Rashad White won you like every tournament there was if you had him, right? Brees, after, especially after, you know, um, some of the Dalvin stuff, Brees plummets, right? You could have had Brees, Rashad White, you know, HN, whatever, right? Like uh, yeah. Kyron, like you could have built, you could have built a, a freaking Super Bowl squad, Super Bowl, uh, superstar squad of running backs starting in, in the, literally starting in the dead zone, right? Start Brees. Rashad White, right? Just hammer all these dead zone backs because the dead zone is not what the dead zone was when it originated. And I think to your point, I swear to God, uh, to people, we, I mean, I, I got on this, uh, we use StreamYard. I got on this StreamYard about 12 seconds before we were about to start recording. So we didn't do any, any single prep work, but something that I was going to bring up is very similar to what Rob brought up. And because I'm me and because I learn from weird stuff, I, I don't consume as much fantasy content i have a couple people i listen to like pretty religiously because i just really like their work and they're where i get a lot of information um but i most of the content i listen to is other sports i really enjoy college sports and the nba specifically uh so i listen to a lot of stuff about that and then i listen to business stuff like uh history stuff like whatever right um you said i'm a i'm a i'm a life hack bro too right today the article i wrote today was a, kind of based around a tim robbins interview and the the article i wrote yesterday was based around a tlc song right because tl this uh waterfalls by tlc shout out to tlc is a 30 year you want to feel old yeah. tie this back to the beginning waterfalls by tlc is 30 years old this year yeah jesus christ that makes me feel really old that makes me feel really old but i'm um now, if people get annoyed. Does this trigger you? Uh, we're going to get off on side tangents here, but such is life. It's, it's January. We got a lot of 2024 to discuss. So I'm I'm listening to audiobooks, and some yeah. people dislike when people they're like, "You didn't like you didn't read that book." Like I always I always tend to say I read this because it's you cut right through the bullshit of somebody being like, what do you mean you listen to that book? So like you didn't, you know, the people, the, it's like a beer snob, you know, but the book snob, it's like, you listen to it. Mm, you know, you must be dumb is like what they're really thinking in their head. You know what I mean? But anyway, so I'm, I'm on audiobook kick and the one I'm, I'm not done with it yet, but it's called story or die. And it's basically about how it's super fascinating. And it has so many applications to the shit that we do. Um, but to your point about the data stuff, kind of early on, it talks about, you know, hard facts, right? Objective facts versus subjective facts. And it, it actually frequently talks about how people will bring data because it's a fact. Data, data, data is data, right? You're bringing it. It is a fact. But everybody is going to look at it differently, right? And this takes me back to my, my corporate tech days where like one of my boss was would basically say like when we would like oh bring the data and it's like well data he would always say data is just data and they they go on in this book to say like data is neutral and so to your so to your point people are trying to draw conclusions from something that happened in a small sample set 
small sample size of, of data, but that data is entirely neutral. It happened. It's describing something, whatever, mm-hmm. but it's not necessarily telling us anything. Right. And I can draw something different than you can draw from the same data because the data is neutral. Our opinions and like what this whole book is talking about, the stories that surround it, right? The nuance and all that kind of stuff is different for every individual because we all have different perspectives. We all have different beliefs. We all have uh, everything is different. And so you can bring, right? Like you, like you actually did this without knowing it. You said, yeah, so what happened was the 49ers beat the Packers, but the Packers were really close to beating the 49ers. That's also another data point which says, well, what if they had done that? What if the Packers had, had right? Right now you're sitting back and you're looking, if I snuck a Ravens 49ers team, through, right? I should have drafted all Ravens 49ers teams and tried to get them through. That's what you're telling yourself right now because you're like, they're probably going to be lower owned. It's the most likely Super Bowl. That's what I wish I would have done, right? Give me all the Aaron Jones and Nico Collins and Mike Evans and all those guys in the first round. Just try to sneak Ravens and 49ers through. Boom. Like, I'm going to win this tournament. But that's how this played out just now. That's what the data is saying right now. There is another scenario. There are millions of scenarios, but there's certainly another scenario that could have played out where the 49ers didn't win that game, right? where, uh, you know, Debo just got hurt, right? Maybe Christian McCaffrey got hurt. Maybe Lamar Jackson got hurt. There's so many scenarios that can play out that we don't want to get anchored to that one thing. It reminds me not to beat this dead horse, but of the DJ Moore conversation from, and for those that don't remember, or maybe weren't uh, around during that, the bears had basically a historically low pass rate in 2022. They ran the ball like they ran. The, if you remember the Ravens before, like this new Ravens, the Todd Monken Ravens, the, the old Ravens that literally never threw the ball, no matter what had much higher pass rates <laughs> than last than 2022 bears did. So they trade for DJ Moore. We all know DJ Moore is awesome. Right. And the target competition is like Darnell Mooney, Cole Komet, like who cares? So he looks good from a target share perspective, but the pushback from some of the community, a a lot of the community, dare I say, was the Bears aren't going to throw enough. How could you ever draft DJ Moore in the fourth round? The Bears are not going to throw. And that was that was based on a data point of 2022. And there's no arguing the data point. The data is the is the data. But that data point was neutral. That data point was not saying 2023 is definitely going to be the same thing as the Bears here. So that was the pushback. That was the pushback that I gave. DJ Moore was one of my highest owned wide receivers. I feel great about that, right? Um, but it is a, a shining example. Playoff best ball, it's like more polarized because it ha- like it's like if one game goes one wet, right? Oh, at least we have 17 weeks, you know, week 17 has a big impact, but at least you have 17 weeks to kind of see things play out in regular season, assuming no injuries in the playoffs. It's like, like I, I liked, I thought the Browns were a, <laughs> were a good, were a good team to, to target in playoff best ball. Guess what? They lost. So buddy, your teams are shit, right? It's my, my best, my playoff best ball season was over <laughs> in the first you know halftime or whatever. Whenever Joe Flacco threw that pick six, it was like, well, fun. That was a fun playoff best ball year, but you can't, you want to take in the information. It's not like you said, you're not ignoring anything. You want to pro you like you want to have who doesn't want to have all the information at their fingertips? I do. We all do. But you you want to take it in and figure out how to use it to win the game. You don't figure it, it's it's not taking it and necessarily predicting the future with it, right? It's like, so in let's use the DJ Moore example. If the market had all said 
don't care about that Bears pass rate. Don't care. DJ Moore, right? DJ Moore is, I mean, Allen Robinson went at the two, three turn a couple of years ago, right? Like Brandon Cooks went really highly. Like if, if everybody was just like, nope, DJ Moore's too good. Justin Fields, this is his breakout year, right? We were, we were buying the breakout of Justin Fields, which we kind of were. He was going pretty early. I, I don't care. I don't care that the Bears didn't throw last year. DJ Moore, second round pick, right? I would be like, whoa, uh, guys, maybe we should consider this alternative thing that could, like, you're buying the bull case here, and I see the bull case too. But what if, like, they do just stay the Bears? <laughs> you know, what if they just, you know, DJ Moore be fine, but is he worth the second round pick? Probably not. So it's it's the same data with a different story based on what we're trying to accomplish in this whole game that we're playing, you know what I mean? And so I do think we'll talk a lot about that. There'll be, you know, we don't have ADP or anything. So we'll, we'll see what all that looks like in some of those situations to monitor for 2024. But I think that's just like best ball lesson. Number one, we will probably never get a sample size that is relevant to, to make like really hard and fast decisions off of, even if we do every year changes. And so you have to still adjust it for, right? Like, Elite QB is the way to go. It's like, yeah, but if they all go in the second round, you know, we have to adjust, adjust things. And so you're constantly doing that. The NFL is right. By the time we get the sample size for best ball, the NFL is going to be different. You know what I mean? That's what's happened just now. Like we used to say you can't target rookie tight ends. And that was probably true. Guess what? The NFL changed. Now you better target overnight rookie. Yeah. Like immediately overnight with the rookie tight end thing. Look at the archetypes of players, right? 10, 15 years ago, Tank Dell would have probably been a bad pick because the NFL never would have given him a chance because he's 165 pounds, right? Kyron Williams runs a 4.740 and he's 200 pounds. Like nobody would have given a shit about these guys because the NFL operated that way. We have to change because we're not, we're not GMs. We're not, we're predicting what's happening in not predicting. We're playing a game that's based around what happens in the NFL. We have to be up to speed on what's going. So anyway, you guys all get all get the point. Both of us, you know, um, and, and hitting the same thing. But the thing I want to bring up while we're on this topic before we move away from it is just because you have a certain data point that you like or that people are citing. I think it's I don't want to say disingenuous, but I think it's not telling the whole story. Sometimes the one that I kept hearing for a few years that always kind of made me scratch my head when I, when I would hear whether it was best ball or DFS related was target share percentage, right? People would just say, we'll just say DJ Moore, right? DJ Moore with the Carolina Panthers has a 23% target share percentage. It's like, okay, that sounds fine, but there's 32 different teams in the league and 24% is different across the 32 different teams and what they're doing and how they utilize that 24%. It's just, it's a number that, almost means nothing like unless you know like the offense is going to stay sustainable right like so if if the offense doesn't change for the bears and it's at 24 percent, and we have the same offensive coordinator justin fields is still the quarterback they're going to run essentially the same thing yeah that means something right if we're talking about Devonte adams going to the new york jets this year via trade <laughs> <laughs> and we start talking about what his target share percentage was on the Packers or even what it was on the Raiders. The Packers would be, the Packers would a make more sense because we're talking about the same offensive, you know, coordinator with the same quarterback, but it's still a different situation because he'd never played across from Garrett Wilson. 
So right. the variables are so different now. And I'm not trying to like call people out that were using that number because I don't think it's like a bad number by, by any means. But I think there needs to be context sometimes with some of these, da these data points that we're looking at. And I think that people just get comfortable just citing a number like that. It's like, oh, well, he has a 26% target share. Okay, well, what does that mean in relation to the team he's on, in relation to the targets? Because you could tell me that, you know, I don't know. I'm trying to think of a good um, good compliment. Someone that like had like a 34% target share on a team that threw the... Like if Rondell Moore had a 34% target share, right? When it was Cliff Kingsbury's offense, does it matter? Does his 34%... <laughs> Target share matter at all for the most part? Great. He has nine targets. He's got 42 yards every week. He's not a threat <laughs> to score a touchdown, but he's a 32% target share. So it sounds like he's good. And he's just like, yeah, he's getting more opportunities than everybody, but he's never winning you a DFS tournament. He's not winning you a best ball tournament. He's just not ever winning you anything, but that number looks great, right? So it's context. Context of the number. How are we using that number to like actually make our teams better. Does that make sense the way I broke yeah. that? Yes. Yes, absolutely. I think everything the the grand actually the grand the uh some good comments in the chat we'll get to in a second. The the like synopsis of of all of that which is kind of what we talk about here and what I preach a lot largely in the in the Discord is just nuance and context is the game actually um, like I said, data in and of itself, any stat it's, it's, it's not that it's irrelevant. It's actually the opposite. It's, it's very relevant, but it's neutral. It doesn't mean no data means anything that we can take away and learn from without the context, right? Like you said, so I got, I got two players with a, we'll call it, it's basically a, uh, this is actually kind of, kind of funny. So here's, here's, Four players, all about a 26% target share this year, okay? Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, of Cooper Cup, Adam Thielen. <laughs> if we just look at the, the target share, you might say, dang, Adam Thielen, what a smack. And, and of course, like I'm not trying to do the whole Adam Thielen thing again. He was awesome to, to start the year. But the usefulness of, of all of them, quite frankly, is, is quite different. But you know what I mean? Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Cooper Cup, three of the best wide receivers in all fantasy. Cooper Cup is much closer to Adam Thielen, apparently, uh, with his second half, although he was a little bit better. But right, but the, the if you just barrel it down to that number, I can be like, well, Stefan Diggs had a higher target share than all of them. And he did have a higher target. Would you rather have Justin Jefferson or Stefan Diggs? I know my I know my answer, right? I know my answer. And so we can manipulate, right? I'm just manipulating shit. That's all I'm doing. I'm not, I'm not actually saying anything. I'm just, I'm just telling a story yeah. using context around some data point that we just decided to look at. And that's the thing with best ball that I kind of try, I've kind of tried to talk about in some of the recent articles. It's like, I like the, the waterfalls thing. I could tell myself a story about anybody. Pick a player in the player pool last year. I could tell you a story about why you should draft them easily. Mm -hmm including Adam Thielen, including Zeke, including, including all these bums that I didn't like, right? Like there's dudes I drafted zero of, and I could sit here and probably, if you're a new best ball player, I could probably convince you to draft the shit out of them, probably, right? And I could come up with a data point that says it. I could come up with a story that says why you should draft that individual player. Dalvin Cook. That, right. That, uh, dude, 
Did you see all the money he got paid? Did you see all the money? You see all the money he got paid, right? They say, hey, they say, they say you need to look at, right? Some people will tell you you need to look at how much what the salary is. He's he's making more money than Brees Hall and Aaron Rodgers handpicked him, right? Aaron Rodgers handpicked him. Brees Hall's off an ACL, off an ACL. Dalvin Cook was the 102 two years ago in fantasy drafts. Now he's with Aaron Rodgers, getting paid a lot of money, and with this young back who tore up his knee last year. Mm, sounds pretty good. Right. Sounds pretty good on a me. team competing no. for the division on on a team trying to win the Super Bowl now, right now. So what are they going to do? Load up the kid with one leg or give it to the you know guy who was a pro bowler just just very recently. It's like that's all bullshit, obviously. But like you can tell yourself a story on anybody. But what we're trying to get down to is finding advantageous situations that give us the potential to win best ball tournaments right? Generally with like some form of an outsized gain, something our, our opponents are not doing, or they are doing too much or whatever, right? A player because of X, Y, Z is overvalued or undervalued, right? We're, we're trying to, but all of that requires like 47 data points, not one, right? Nothing is ever described in one thing, right? The bears pass rate is not the only thing. It's a lot of things because we're playing a, we're playing a strategy game. We're playing a game theory game, right? Like uh, when we, when I, if you and I are playing chess right now, instead of talking, talking about best ball, the, the, the fact that all the pieces move in certain directions, is just like a, it's just like a rule of the game. It doesn't give any distinct advantage, right? The bears pass rate doesn't give any distinct advantage. It's neutral. It's neutral. How you navigate that fact and how our opponent, you know, how you're using it versus how our opponents are using it, that can become a strategic edge, right? And so that's the big thing as we get into 2024. We're going to get into all that shit, right? Including the Bears, because they're going to be, are they taking Caleb? Are they trading? Are they keeping fields? Who the fuck knows? But like, we're going to get into all that. And every time we talk about it, that's like what it's going to be. It's going to be, everything is about finding that angle to win a best ball tournament. I don't give a fuck if I'm right. I don't care. Like, I, I don't care about any of this. I don't care about the bears pass rate. I don't care. You know, I, I don't care about any of that. The whole goal is to sit down. Boom. Now it's 2024, right? We, like you said, we wipe the slate clean. We don't throw away the data, but we wipe the slate clean and we come in and we say, now, how do I win in 2024? Right? It, I've been, I've been drafting it? zero RB teams. Sorry, just quickly. Yeah, I've been yeah. drafting zero R teams, zero RB teams for years because I believe, it's a strategic edge in, in these tournaments. I keep mostly getting proved correct, getting proved correct. And yeah. so, uh, you know, I'm happy to continue that. But the moment that flips, the moment the market says, no, no, buddy, I'm not letting you, <laughs> I'm not letting you keep doing this shit. You know what I mean? You can't keep driving your first running back in round 11 and, win and winning. This is bullshit. We're going to do it now, right? We're going to do it. Once they do that, well, sign me up. Sign me up for, for right? Sign me up for all those running backs that you're going to let me have. It, that's the game. It's not, it's not really any of the stuff that is maybe as fun to talk, right? Citing target shares and all that. Um, it's, it's just a little different game than that. Isn't it funny, though, like you brought up those four different players with a 26% target share, and you don't even have to say the player names, right? You could just break it down as simple as this past year, did you want a 26% target share from receiver on Rams, Vikings, <laughs> Bengals, or Panthers? And obviously there's nuance to that because they all get drafted in different positions, right? Thielen was mm -hmm. much later, and that's part of the nuance of best ball and all of that good stuff. But you don't even need to say player names sometimes. You need to know what that player's doing, but what is the context of the team doing? 
You want a 26% target share for the wide receiver that plays for the, for the Rams over the Panthers, you know, as long as Sean McVay is there for the most part. Like, I can already tell you that you want the player from the Rams. That is a 26% target share next year from the Rams over the player from the Panthers. Drafting will reflect that for sure. Like, you'll you'll have the price difference. Puka is going to be uh, a first or second round pick, probably a second round pick, I would guess, off yes. the top of my head. Mm-hmm. And whoever the hell is the number one wide receiver from the Panthers is probably <laughs> going to be sub ten, round 10 at this Correct. point would be my guess. Mm-hmm. But I still want Puka like on a way higher, you know, basis than I do over the Panthers because that offense, just the offense in general is something that we are going to believe in more. So it's using the context of those numbers to your point and discerning everything about it. Saying a guy has a 26% target share doesn't mean shit. It just doesn't. If you're not understanding the context of the 26% target share from what the player is able to do with that 26% target share. Rondell Moore is not doing what Justin Jefferson does with a 26% <laughs> target share. I don't care what team they're on, right? So this is the nuance of the player. There's the nuance of the offense that they're playing in. Understanding the data that you're getting and implementing it. And we can move on from this now. Yeah, for sure. Um, to catch up on some chat, I did, I did miss this one. I like This is good. <laughs> from uh, new collector or NU collector, new collector, best ball charcuterie board from the uh, beginning conversation. I like it. Well, we like to f- mess around with dumb stuff like that. I'm sure I can use that in some cliche. At some, I'm a big cliche and quotes guy. Uh, so in, in dumb names, applying really, really stupid names uh, to, to things like the, like the waterfalls thing was, uh, was a, was a good one. That's a new Where did Bush and Messiah go? Uh, yeah. says, please, please stick, please stick to the rivers and lakes that you're used to. And new collector also says, don't chase waterfalls and don't draft no scrubs. <laughs> yeah. I got to come up with a, I got to come up with something that has to do with no scrubs. I think that's pretty straightforward probably, but maybe we'll put a twist on it and just make it a TLC uh a summer just quickly though taco chan said uh, are you guys doing any dinger uh drafts on underdog for baseball i i will be we haven't gotten around to it yet we did uh shout out b kurt um at b kurt four i believe on on twitter but also in the discord bernie uh who does amazing work for us put together kind of a uh mlb best ball for beginners like getting up to speed right you haven't done a best ball baseball draft uh, yet kind of understanding the rules, the tournament structure, the advancements, right? The scoring, all that. Cause it's, it's unique. Uh, like the football products really on any of these sites are quite frankly, not that unique underdogs. Baseball product is super unique. So go and check that out. Um, and we'll be doing some, not a ton, honestly, of, of baseball stuff. Uh, we're going to put some free rankings out there and some free content, maybe do a draft stream here, here or there, but I will be my, myself, like on my, my personal time, I will be doing some dingers cause I enjoy the uh, baseball sweat. Uh, this is something I wanted to talk about and it's uh, not necessarily exactly this question, but Sean asks Gibbs or Bijan next year. And I've been polishing up. It's a good um, kind of 2024 question about what I'll call the elite running backs um, for the last multiple years we've been in kind of a funky spot with the elite running backs where even Christian McCaffrey is a little bit older, but let's just set him aside outside of say Christian McCaffrey every year, like the highly draft, you know, first round, even like second round running backs have been like older. And like, it's Mm -hmm. been like I said, why zero RB has been like so fun. It's like, well, two years ago, Dalvin cook was the one Oh two. 
It's like, mm, like, am I really like, is Dalvin really going to bury me? Like he could be good, of course, but like, is Dalvin really going to be like, that's the guy you need? Like, no, he was just like a good locked and loaded RB one, right? This year, I understand other people uh, deferred, but like Austin Eckler felt like that to me. It's like, man, he's run real hot <laughs> to yeah. be this, this superstar running back. And he's a, an awesome football player, but he's like 28, you know, getting older pass catcher still never, ever really became like a workhorse. Like it's been really efficient and efficiency dies as you get older. And I was like, you know, could he bury me technically? Yeah. But like, mm, I don't know. Right. It was Kamara before who like, these guys are still good. No one's saying that they've like completely lost everything, but like it was Kamara, right. A couple of years ago, even like Saquon and stuff this year, I know he's not old, but there's a lot of mileage on old Saquon Barkley's tires. And like, it has been those early round guy, Derrick Henry for multiple years now. Right. It's like, I don't, as a, of course, as a more of a zero RB bro, I didn't really ever feel uncomfortable fading almost all of those guys. Now, the running backs that are going to go, here's who I've projected to go in the first round uh, on my early 2024 ranks. CMC is the 101. Uh, Brees, the RB2, not the, not the 102, but the RB2. Kyron is the RB3. Uh, I, I I keep going back and forth on all three of these next three guys, but I have three more running backs. So I have six running backs in the first round, which is a little bit of a change up from the last couple of years as well. Gibbs, then Bijan, then Jonathan Taylor. I actually have Jonathan Taylor at the one, two turn. I think he's 12 overall, mm-hmm. but what's the difference between all of those running? Like when I name all of those running backs, it's like 23, 24, 23, you know, other than Christian McCaffrey and superstar, superstar, super, like, like the, there's not an issue. You don't have a single question of talent. You don't, you have a small question of role with like Bijan and Gibbs, but like not, I mean, Gibbs was awesome in a smaller role and that role grew this year. Right. You can, you can tell yourself the story about how Gibbs becomes better. It's like, I'm struggling. Honestly, luckily we don't have drafts to do just yet because I'm putting together these ranks and I'm like, I'm, I, I, I really believe like I have a, an article in the hopper that's telling that I, I kind of believe at a macro level, 2024, it's like the last great year for zero RB. And then on, but then on the flip side, I have six running backs in the first round and they're all like 24 and younger. You know what I mean? It's like those two things don't jive. And so for me, I will say to Sean's question right now, I have Gibbs ahead, but I also have them right next to each other, Gibbs and Bijan. And so, right. Depending upon who Atlanta hires, what they do on offense, who their quarterback is, Bijan could be ahead of Gibbs next year. But the greater point is like that collection of running backs is the strongest that we've had in a long time. Like a, like even last year, people were foaming at the mouth over Pollard and Jacobs and Henry and stuff at the two, three turn. I did really like Tony Pollard RIP. Thank God we don't have to deal with that anymore. But like those guys are not this, like even Tony Pollard was not Tony Pollard's not Jameer Gibbs. Tony Pollard's not B. John Robinson. So um, how are you thinking about those guys for 2024? Cause it's, I, I'm really struggling with it. And I don't generally struggle with the early round guys. Cause I feel like it's pretty straightforward, but that also ties into the tight end thing, right? It's almost like we had this running back class. I know they all didn't get drafted the same year, but we just did the same thing over and over. We did Dalvin cook. We did Joe Mixon. We did Alvin Kamara. Yep. And it just feels like those have just been the guys for years and years. And we did it with quarterbacks like five for a years, long time. probably yeah. something. Yeah. 
we did with quarterbacks for, for 10 to 15 years where it was Brady, Manning, Drew Brees, all right? And then the tight end one was the same until this past year. So we're just seeing the positional churn kind of. And I think it's an interesting point you bring up because one thing that people will not remember or won't talk about going into this year is think back to drafts last year. And I want you to think about the second round of NFL best ball drafts last year. And you remember what the second round was in NFL best ball drafts? Pretty much everybody failed based on where they were drafted, right? Mm -hmm. Like they just were not doing what we expected them to do. And I think the running back thing sort of ties into that because now that we're elevating, you know, five, six running backs back into the first round, we're going to push probably quarterbacks to the third round with Josh Allen. I would assume Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen get pushed to early third, late second. And, Lamar. and it's going to, huh? You I think, think Lamar? Lamar. I think, I think Lamar, oh, Lamar. I'm, I'm a, a threesome. Yeah. I, 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 well, we don't need to dive into this either, but I have Lamar and Allen ahead of Hertz. Um, we'll have plenty of time to talk about that. You're our resident Eagles uh, Homer. And so maybe you can talk me off of uh, uh, being a little bit more bearish than, than maybe the market might be on that. But to your point, I don't think the, However, we slice and dice those handful of elite guys. They're not, they're not, you know, it's not like they're going to go back. They used to go in like round five, right? Yeah. It ain't that, that ain't happening. <laughs> no, but they're going to settle back down. So it's going to probably, they, they jump to round two, third round. Yeah. I think they're going to go third round now. And you're going to be pushing some of this wide receiver talent that we pushed up back down into the second round, right? So. It's not going to be CD again because CD's going to go in round one now. He finally made that that elevation, right? But the guys that were the CD lambs for two to three years, they're going to be back in that little late second round thing. And I think the second round is going to be more viable this year than it was last year. We thought the second round last year was going to be viable as well. But I think the elevation of running backs is going to kind of almost revert our drafting back to pre-2023 a little bit. Not completely. But for the early rounds, I think so, because you are really going to have to make a decision on what type of team you want to draft. Do you want to draft these running back teams now? Because, I mean, outside of CMC there, and even with CMC, I was still scared to take him occasionally because it felt like if you took CMC early, you were getting buried at wide receiver mm -hmm. with how many were going, right? Like if you took CMC, your first wide receiver generally was Devonta Smith or T Higgins, if you wanted to go with them in round two. And I don't think that's going to be the case this year. I think there, some of these guys are going to get pushed down. I think you're now looking at like a Chris Olave, right? Like at that, at that end of that second, mm -hmm. uh, you know, round early third round. So that feels a little bit better. And I know you could get Olave sometimes here and there with CMC, but overall, you know what I'm talking about? So yep. I think that the way you construct your teams, I think that is going to make, hero rb teams more viable but more frequent probably yes. i think people yep. are going to be more in on that because they're gonna be like well now i need to do some Bijan teams now i need to do some jamara gibbs teams now i need to do some Kyron teams and I, Kyron's the interesting one there because i wonder how i think sticker shock it can still be a thing early with Kyron williams where people mm -hmm. are like he was getting drafted in around 17 or 18 last year. Why am I going to draft him in round one? And I think it might cause people to bypass him for a little bit. Right. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that's, I think that's going to be interesting in terms of that. 
Um, Kyron also sticks out like a sore thumb from a talent perspective. Yeah, he's bad. In the the first round, right? He's slow. (laughs) uh, He's small. He's got bad hair. Um, You know, it's it's not great, right? You never, we've never seen. Never beaten a video game. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, He broke his hand in that last game. You know, at the very end of that last game, did you see that they, they tried to put him that he didn't go back in, but they t- he broke his hand. They put that was the most absurd tape job I've ever seen. I can't believe they like of all the, the player safety stuff is in the playoffs is just absolutely <laughs> mind boggling. Like these dudes get smoked in the dome. I mean, the, who was it that the, I think it was this weekend was was going to get tackled, got hit right. He's going down. Got hit helmet to helmet, yeah. and then his head slammed on on the ground. Goes to the tent and comes and clears concussion protocol. I said, clears concussion protocol. He was closer to death than he was to, <laughs> to clearing concussion protocol. Like the guy was out. There was nobody home, you know. And it was yeah, like you saw his body go limp, and you're just yeah. like, that's. I, I, I can't remember who it was, but they even like you know they didn't zoom in on his face, but the, the camera just happened to be on him, and his eyes underneath. He was like yeah just like stare like i'm like he he might be dead like that was so bad like it was so bad and he just went back in and the same thing kyron i'm like the the dude's probably got you know a a pudding pop inside of his hand here or what no shakir's hit i can't believe no shakir was the 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 one where we thought he broke his like shoulder or something i I thought at first i was like spine neck or something because you don't take that kind of hit and he's a little dude (laughs) like you you don't take that kind of hit and uh and and then he you know and he just like it's like when your body go, it's one thing to like kind of flop down when your body just like <laughs> you know like it's, it's like it's, it's like the, the bones are gone everything just turned to to liquid form you know and your body just goes like this um but but anyway um uh, the the running back thing kyron stands out like no but like you said a sticker shock is absolutely a real thing um People will say he was this last year, right? Bijan was a first round pick last year and failed, but we know he's we know he's his talent is good enough to be a first round pick. Kyron's talent wasn't even good enough to the market, to the the public perception. wasn't even good enough to get selected, right? Yeah. He wasn't even good enough to get drafted. We thought Zach Evans was, but we not we, but the greater we thought Zach Evans. I'm Zach Evans, right? But the but the greater market said, yeah, well, um, I'll take Zach Evans over him. So how the hell? Could this guy be a first round pick? No offense to uh, our guy Moxie from the Discord. I, I remember this conversation very vividly during the year. You know, so obviously uh, Underdog does their resurrection drafts. They just do like one tournament when the season comes, and you can kind of try again. You know, in week seven or something like that. Well, DraftKings does a new best ball tournament every single week, right? They launch a new bet. Like, up oh, Monday's here. They launch a new week three tournament, right? And so it's actually pretty fun. I, I. I got to make sure that I play them more next year um, because I didn't draft very many and I advanced like two out of six or something like that in, in those. And they were pretty good teams point being uh, a, you're going to get a very different blend of players. They're really, really fun for that. But B, you know, the market reactions and overreactions and underreactions can be, can be wildly crazy. And Kyron was one that the market was underreacting on. And like I said, uh, I love Moxie, an incredible member of the discord and super sharp, Super sharp guy, also great with food. Uh, uh, so if you want, we're bigger on food around here. Okay, so uh, you got have a good, whole great, food channel. There's a food called. channel, and it's one of the most popular. You, you don't come to Spike League <laughs> for the best ball advice. You come for the food photos uh, and a, a recently uh, Netflix recommendations. But 
uh, he was like, he kind of had the sticker shock thing. It was like, you know, he was like, oh man, I just watched somebody take Kyron in the second round. I said, oh, second, like, that's a good value. And he was like, what do you mean? He's like a fifth rounder. And I was like, no, 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 no. He's the second best running back in fantasy behind Christian McCaffrey. I'm like trying to explain that. I'm like, everything about him is elite, like elite, elite. He, he's not going to have an 80 yard touchdown like Brees, but he's elite, elite fantasy back. Right. And, but it, it takes, it's not easy to get that around your head. Right. When, like you said, this guy was an 18th round pick. Now he's the one Oh five or whatever. Like that is a huge difference. We probably saw that with like an Arian Foster back in the day for anybody that's kind of an OG Arian Foster came absolutely out of nowhere for the Houston Texans, similar to what Kyron did and just set the fantasy world ablaze and went from undrafted to the one Oh one one undrafted yeah. to the one Oh one in fantasy. And it was deserving. So I think that will, I think that will definitely happen. I, the, the other thing that you mentioned that I think was really good was it's going to feel more cozy. I think that, I think the drop off after JT for me, maybe it will be Gibbs or Bijan for some other people, but JT from, for me, I think the drop off is going to be pretty stark. I think people might tell themselves the story on HN and some guys like that, but they are definitely not in that tier up with those, those elite guys. So I think the coziness will be like, well, I'll just get my RB now. Right. I'll just get this running back now. But like you said, okay, so do you also want uh, an elite quarterback? Do you also want one of these good young tight ends? Because there's some pretty good young tight ends in this uh, fantasy, you know, circle. Now, the next thing you know, like you're in round eight, you got two wide receivers or maybe three wide receivers and you are locked the hell out, buddy. Cause it's, yeah. it gets, it gets, that's not changing. That's the thing that I feel incredibly confident mm-hmm. in is you are going to get locked out a wide receiver. Like, that that started two years ago and it's not going <laughs> on underdog at least and probably drafters. It's not going anywhere. You're getting locked out a wide receiver if you don't dedicate enough resources to it. So it's going to be a really delicate balance of how to handle the total overhaul of running back and tight end. Yeah. They've completely changed both positions for the better from a youth and you know excitement perspective. But what that does to your roster construction is going to be like we like Spike week hasn't existed in a year like this, like, like what we're going to see in 2024. It's a totally different game from the last three years. I was super comfortable punting tight end. I I think I had to make myself start drafting some of the earlier tight ends at one point, because when we would come on here, I'd be like, yeah, dude, I don't draft tight ends till, you know, the 16th, 15th round in general, because I'm just comfortable punting tight end. It's not going to be the case next year by any means. And to your point, we're going to have another Rashad Bateman line this year. That was the line last year. Rashad Bateman was the line. You can laugh about what he did in the season now, but there was a clear line. Like you either had five or six wide receivers before Rashad Bateman, or you didn't. And you were just scrambling. You're mm-hmm. like, I don't even know what I want to do. Who are the values that I'm trying to find here at wide receiver? And you found some throughout, but you know, we, I go back to the Tyler Boyd thing. You start drafting Tyler Boyd because you're like, shit, I just need a wide receiver with some Jacoby Myers. Yeah, people that I think are actually going to do something, maybe. And you're, by the time you look at your team, you're like, shit, this team is not as good as I thought it was going to be. So, yeah, I think that's a a really compelling point to bring up where we're going to be looking at our teams and you're, you're really going to have to understand the structure of your team as you're drafting, you know, what you're looking to do with it because. You're not always going to be able to punt tight end this year. You're not going to be able to get away with 
some of the elite quarterback with the running backs that you want to get and all that all that fun stuff so yeah i think that's a great point to bring up it's it's definitely a tricky one this is also to kind of put a bow on that running back uh element dorito says who shout out to him by the way uh and shout out to him and and updog i don't mean to keep lumping you guys in together you're your own people you're not you know we shouldn't only speak about you in tandem but when two of our avid uh members ship first and second in the drafters tournament you know half a milli between those two guys uh incredible and, and impressive but an awesome point he says this rookie right so the, the 2024 real life nfl draft the running back class is not very good um there is no Bijan, there is no Gibbs, there is no JT, there is no Brees. Uh, the RB1 for me tore his ACL halfway through. <laughs> like my my rookie RB1 tore his ACL in October or whatever. So um, he's good, you know, but after that, it does get a little sketchy. We all have some guys that we like, right? And we'll talk a lot about the rookies and everything moving forward. But it's just another element to like, you want, you know, you, you got to, that's going to be a huge decision point. Um, and I think it's been easier these last few years. Whereas, like I said, I just like my best team in best ball for the last two years. My first running back was Antonio Gibson in the 10th round. It's like, clearly I didn't give a shit about any, (laughs) my priority was give me the wide receivers and Lamar Jackson. I mean, Sam Laporta was my, was my tight end one. So even though I waited that long, think about that. Even though I waited that long at running back, my first running back was round 10. I still had to punt tight end. It looks great now because it was Sam Laporta that I happened yeah. to land on yeah. there. But if I land on right, whoever Luke Musgrave, yeah, Dawson Knox, <laughs> you know, if I land on that, that team doesn't even advance. But I had to get so lucky just to still get good wide receivers, right? And my wide mm-hmm. receivers were good. They were not amazing, right? JSN was on that team. DK Metcalf was on that team. George Pickens came through in the end, but he wasn't amazing for the whole season, et cetera, et cetera. So if I had to make those tough decision points last year when it was easy to fade the running backs, wait till this year when you're like, my God, I don't want to be underweight any of those running backs. Because that's my gut take. Is like, I don't want, why would I want to be underweight second year Jameer Gibbs? Like that sounds foolish, but okay, what are you going to do then? Like, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that opinion. I think most people will have that opinion, but then what, right? It's like, then, so you're going to be underweight, you know, Tyreek, you're going to be underweight CD. You're going to be, you know, it's like, these are difficult, difficult decisions um, that you start to make. Cobra Kai asked, I promise we will get to some of this, but I don't want to kick off 2024 with a who is 2024's Kyron Williams. We'll get to all the all of that kind of stuff, but I promise uh, we will get to some of that. Yeah, uh, Updog and Dorito crushing crushing the the overlay. Um, one of the you know I know you got uh, hometown ghost stories, but for 2024, we we had guys in t- or teams, excuse me, in 2023. That we were both bullish on and very bearish on. Uh, you got called out for the Devonte Adams thing. Both you and I were extremely anti Raiders. Like probably one of the biggest opinions that I had of a team on the negative side was actually about the Raiders, and thus led me to not very much Devonte Adams, almost no Josh Jacobs, right, um, et cetera, et cetera. Still uh, waiting for someone to show me a team that. Yeah. Won a tournament that's a, with that's a, with the Adams. That's a the, those two had them, I think. Or uh, up different different Devante. tournament though. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Definitely cumulative versus the uh, part of 
the Raiders skepticism was the tournament formats where it's like, you know, Jimmy's not going to make it to the end and they're going to have Aiden O'Connell, which is literally exactly what, what panned out. I mean, shout out to Devante. He, uh, I mean, he's still Devante Adams. I actually think he might end up possibly a value in 2024 uh, because I, I think he's, he hasn't shown us any signs of slowing signs of slowing down. Whereas the Raiders might be getting better, like, you know, and yet I think he's going to fall a little bit when he maybe should rise, but we don't need to get into that. He might not even what be I want, there, though. He still I, might what, not be there. Yeah, well, well we will definitely, that, that's a fun one to monitor. But on that, on that kind of note at the team level perspective, is there anybody that you're like, like I said, first take, gut take, doesn't have to be researched or whatever on the, I'm really excited for this team and the opposite end, like my gut is like, I don't want any part. Of, of that team what would be those two for you well the easy the easy 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 answer for this and if you're drafting big board teams i think that the reason you're jumping in big board drafts and hammering out five or five to ten teams immediately is because of what's going to happen with the green bay packers this year and i was a little bit on green bay last year i don't know if you remember i was like i don't think they're going to be elite but I think they're going to be better than people think. And it took them a little bit to put it together. But Boy, were they? Boy, yeah. were they better. Jesus Christ. I mean, from week one to week 17, it's just a turnaround of a, of, a, of a team. And I think that the big board, especially because marketplace gets changed by the time we get to the real tournaments, right? And you start to settle in and there's still changes. People, because of injuries and, you know, camp reports and everything, there are fluctuations. But there are no fluctuations quite like the big board in the first like couple no. weeks. So I think that if you're doing the big board, you need to make a note to be drafting the Green Bay wide receivers, right? And maybe even Jordan Love, because I think Jordan Love will start off down low. And I think he'll he might end up to a point that he's overdrafted by the time we get to some of the bigger tournaments and we're not drafting Jordan Love as much, but I'm looking forward to seeing what the Green Bay Packers do more than any other team in these drafts, just positionally and all that all other fun stuff. The wide receivers are going to be real interesting to see who's drafting who, where, how do you, who's the number one wide receiver in Green Bay? Who's the number two? Who's the number three? Who's the number <laughs> five? I can't, yeah, I can't. You go all the way down to Bo Melton. You tell yeah. me. I don't know. Bo Melton was playing as much as any of their wide receivers in the playoff games. Like right. I don't, I, and everybody's healthy. I know Watson was coming back or whatever, but seriously, someone tell me with any level of confidence between Reed, Watson, Dobbs, Wicks, Melton, where, where they should be ranked, where we should draft them, you know, with any level of confidence, you might have an opinion. I have an opinion too, but I don't think like if we're ranking things in front on a confidence you know meter for 2024 how to analyze the Packers wide receivers is the single lowest confidence thing I have about 2024 yeah and I don't know if it's going to get much better by the time we get into I mean the preseason maybe maybe we start seeing but if they're doing what they were doing this year that's not even going to help you too much right like I don't know so I'm excited for the Packers and I think the God, the overrated team. I mean, maybe this is just one thing I've I've learned about myself while watching playoff football <laughs> is my fandom has waned quite a bit. When New England was bad, I didn't care too much. I mean, I had 20 years of New England Patriots football. That was amazing. Um, 
when the Eagles got knocked out, didn't care too much. However, on the flip side, when the Cowboys got eliminated, God, was that fun. God, I still hate the Cowboys. And when the Bills got eliminated, just as much fun. Like, it's just like, wow, I really still hate these teams that I that I grew up hating. Um, I think the Cowboys offense is going to be overdrafted next year. I think that I think that they ran extremely hot this year. I think that we're going to start seeing that machine slow down coming up. I think the defense got away with a lot this past year. They were good, but we saw what we we knew that they were bad against certain offenses and the Packers exploited it in the, in the playoffs. Right. And I don't think they're going to be better. I I think that the Cowboys are probably a sinking ship overall. And I think that's going to be on the offensive and defensive side of the ball. And I think that team as a whole is going to underperform. I think the offense is going to underperform. That's just off the top of my head. It might be some of that fandom that I just hate the Cowboys (laughs) and I enjoy watching them fail, but I don't think I want anyone on that team other than CeeDee Lamb, right? And I don't even know if CeeDee Lamb can do what he did last year, but I still want to try. I like it with CeeDee. I want to try, but everyone else, I mean, we have the offseason to go, but they're talking about in the chat right now, Rico Daddle as the starting running back. Can't imagine that's what Jerry Jones is going to want to go into the season with, right? So what is that? Is that Derrick Henry? Does that make that offense better? Please, no. Actually, please, yes. I would love to watch people <laughs> do the Derrick Henry thing again just because he's on the on the, the Cowboys. But uh, yeah, I, yeah I, I don't, there's a lot up in the air with the Cowboys and they don't have a lot of flexibility. Yeah, so I just, for me, I think that at the moment, the Cowboys <laughs> is the team that I'm not super interested in. Um, and so, uh, Cobra Kai mentions, uh, I'm interested in Jake Ferguson, if the price is right. Well, I don't know what uh, right price is for you, but you better be able be ready to pay. Cause, uh, it, the price ain't going to be cheap, especially when you drop a nice, uh, 40 ball or whatever it was in the, uh, in the, the last game that everybody just saw that stuff matters. Um, and he was one of the best tight ends in all fantasy this year. He's, he's part of this young tight end emergence. He, he you're not like late round Jake Ferguson from last year. No, we're talking like top seven round Jake Ferguson uh, next year. He's going to be, you know, that Ingram and Joku level pits <laughs> level uh, uh, price that we had from uh, this year. You're a madman. Fifth round Jake Ferguson. Get the fuck out of here. Uh, you have four, <laughs> 40, 40% uh, uh, good luck with that. Um, I don't, I don't want to do the Atlanta Falcons thing yet because I don't know who the coach is. Yeah, we got to know what's going on. I want to, I want to reserve that uh, hyping them for the, you know, fourth year in a row. I want to reserve that for when we actually know who the coach is, but a a team who is also going to be looking for a coach who I am going to hype, despite um, not knowing who's, who's the coach and who the OC is because they lost both. That is the Seattle Seahawks. I was pretty bullish on them this year. um, And I feel Honestly, really excited to buy back, to buy the dip, if you will, on the Seahawks for next season. I think DK Metcalf has proven everything we need to know about DK Metcalf as an NFL football player and a fantasy asset. Uh, he had his biggest game against said Dallas Cowboys with the three touchdowns and you know almost 40 fantasy points or 40 it was on DraftKings. Uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba started coming on down down the stretch. 
Uh, Tyler Lockett might be the guy. I wasn't really into Tyler Lockett this year. We'll see. He, he could be that like veteran that does start to make sense based on his price because he was really not very good. Um, this year, Noah Fant is gone. They have two running backs that we know the roles. We know Ken, what Ken Walker is and what he brings. And we know Zach Charbonnet, you know, kind of as a, the 40 to Walker 60, but also the passing down back who's a big old bruiser and thus has the contingent value that we're looking for, right? We're pay, you're going to have to pay for that contingent value, but sometimes that's what we got to do is pay for the, the lock contingent value. Um, and the talent on this offense was not the issue this year. Uh, maybe Gino is part of that issue, so we'll see. But I think we're going to get good prices on these guys because, quite frankly, they were terrible uh, at cost last year. Metcalf was okay, but he wasn't as good as other players that went around him. And I think the overall sentiment on the Seahawks is going to be bad. But that sentiment is because of Pete Carroll and because of Shane Waldron, who are now gone. And they you bring in somebody. Like, imagine, you know, like Dayball went to the Giants, right? If Dayball had left the Bills and went to this Seahawks team, we would be foaming at the mouth for him to be slinging it around <laughs> to DK Metcalf, JSN, Lockett, you know, maybe a tight end that they bring in or something with those running backs. We'd be foaming at the mouth. But the way Pete Carroll played was just not good for scoring points. It was definitely not good for scoring fantasy points. And I think people will still be really attached to that because that's what we have right to the very, to tie it all back to the very beginning. The data we have is the Seahawks have really underperformed in the last year or whatever. And JSN wasn't very good despite getting all the hype as a rookie, right? And Tyler Lockett, maybe he's falling off, but how much of that was Pete Carroll and how much of that was the, that's how they wanted to play, dude. They were so not aggressive, not trying to score points. And that's why they missed the playoffs with a really good team. And so I'm looking to buy back on them. This is, very much cheating and low hanging fruit, but my God, the Titans are going to be so bad, <laughs> so bad in 2024. They might be, you know, Tajay. So I don't want to say I'm fading because Tajay, you know, looks really fun. If you have him in dynasty or something like that, shout out to you for, for having him on your dynasty rosters. Cause he's going to be awesome next year but it's going to be like <laughs> a comeback mode off awesome he's going to catch like 10 passes and get you there uh it, they they got a rebuild on their hands i don't know what they're doing with hopkins obviously Vrabel is gone i know levis showed some stuff but i don't really think the levis is you know going to elevate an offense and they are you know they wouldn't if they thought they could run it back and win they would have kept Vrabel. but they're clearly showing us their hand that it's rebuild time every year I don't, though Yes, 100% a year late. But I don't think Burks is the answer. I don't think Chig is like a difference maker. I think they're just going to be really bad. And so I'm not sure that they'll be treated that way to that point. Like they should be treated like this year's Patriots, probably, where Tajay is is fine, whatever. You're paying the Ramondre price or something. I'm making up, right? You're paying a price for Tajay because we know what we're getting from him. But like the rest of the offense is just atrocious. But I don't think, I, I think people will, Keep a light on for Burks, you know, and if Hopkins is still there, people keep doing that third, fourth round DeAndre Hopkins thing. And I just don't contract. I I I know it was a multi-year, but was there like an out? Because you gotta, you gotta get, you gotta, I mean, it just doesn't track like to, to, to have him on your team, right? It just doesn't make any sense. So I, 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 I totally agree. Off the Schneid's on the opposite end. So we'll see, we'll have some fun. We'll have some fun conversations. I'm willing to listen on, uh, on on the titans and Tajay's my guy so it pained me to say that because that's one of my that's one of my favorite uh, uh players and i'm excited to see what he does in a full-time role in 2024 but i'm quite out 
on the old the old Tennessee Titans. All right, we got to get out of here. Um, we will get back here to our regularly scheduled Monday and Tuesday live shows, but we're also going to make sure that we start getting out. Uh, that's why I've been doing a lot of writing because that's going to lead into some videos that we're going to start getting you prepared for 2024. We got rookie stuff coming. We got, you know, rankings to, to review. We got some strategy stuff similar to what Rob and I talked about and all sorts of goodness coming. So hit that subscribe button so you can a just help us out like we would appreciate it if you're hanging out with us we would really appreciate it but also we got lots of good stuff coming and it won't only be we've been mostly you know kind of live shows we're going to try to get uh more of a, a, a breath of uh of content here anything else rob before we get out of here no come watch hometown ghost stories tonight at 9 p.m we are talking about ghosts from hawaii tonight oh that, yes. that actually that actually does does sound interesting hop in the discord hit subscribe and we'll see you guys next week peace peace Ooh, those were some spicy takes want to stay up to date with all of the other spicy takes we're going to have over here at spike week why don't you press that subscribe button below you turn notifications on we draft a team boom you know about it we have another spicy take Boom, you know about it. You can be there. You can draft with us. You want to stay up to date? That's how you do it. All right, we'll catch you later next time here at Spike Week.